Welcome to the Product Podcast, brought to you by Product School. Here, you'll get fresh insight from the people at the very top of the tech companies who make the products we love. Remember, you can learn product management live online. Visit productschool.com to discover our new certificate path. There, you can also join the world's largest community of PMs and network with the leaders from these podcasts at our online events. There's something happening almost every day. Hi, everybody. Really excited to be here. Going to talk about the power of the Elastic product team. This is a presentation uh, from an article I wrote with First Round Review a couple years ago. So first, who am I? My name is Jonathan Golden. I'm a partner at NEA, which is a global venture capital firm based here in Palo Alto slash San Francisco. And I invest in consumer and enterprise software. I was previously director of product at Airbnb. Spent six years there, was early at the company, then very early on the product side, was the first product manager. Saw the company scale roughly from 100 to 400x on a variety of different metrics, just depending which one you'd like to uh, talk about. Uh, and before Airbnb, worked at, in product at both Dropbox and HubSpot, albeit more uh, as, sh on sh as short-term uh, basis, as well as was an investor at, uh, at Greylock Partners. So why Elastic Product Teams? Thought I'd just give kind of a quote here from one of my other articles and entitled How I Survived Insane, Hi Insane Hypergrowth at Airbnb, which is everything changes all the time. Get over it. It took me a while to realize that sometimes in hypergrowth mode, everything just changes overnight. There are times when this may be unjustified, the whims of an exec, for example, and times when it's extraordinarily justified, like when a major crisis appears and you have to respond. When something changes, it doesn't mean that everything the team was doing before was wrong. It just means that new information came into focus and prompted a refinement. Whatever your role, flexibility is crucial to surviving startup life. And really elastic product teams are a way for organizations and particularly product teams to be able to absorb that type of change and shock. So how to build an elastic product team really broke this down into five clear steps. Uh, the first one to two are more, more generalized uh, product steps, but the latter ones are a little bit more refined and more detailed around how to actually implement them. So one would be fully articulate a product vision, build a modular team, hire three different types of product managers. Four would be clear process for resource allocation. And five would be rallying the teams around these new outcomes and initiatives, but then potentially being able to dissolve them, hence the elasticity. So what do I mean by a fully articulated vision? Well, it really starts from the company vision, which is what do you want the world to look like in five plus years? After this vision statement is articulated by the company and or the product leaders, it's really up to you as a product leader for your own team to develop outcomes that fall out of this vision. Uh, and these are team mandates that will help you get to where you need to go. Outcomes define what you want to achieve for people in any community. Then you design your product teams around outcomes. And this is really key because a lot of product teams historically and even today are still designed around features. You don't want to base your teams around features. You're going to continually perpetuate those features, whether or not they're useful or not. So as a concrete example, at Airbnb, uh, one of the teams I managed was payments. Uh, and we also created uh, a vision statement for payments as well. We wanted to create a world where connections between people became less transactional and more human. And when you really thought about that, we really wanted to remove the friction of money between guests and hosts, uh, whether that be in, in the physical world and actually to bring that online 
And we were the team to make that process as seamless as possible, allowing the community to engage in more meaningful ways between each other when they were offline, but then potentially also when they're offline, getting money out of the equation. On the right here was a poster that we created uh, and a little bit of iconography. And we really wanted to perpetuate uh, this, uh, this vision throughout the entire team and actually posted these uh, posters throughout uh, the floor uh, to really try to inspire and to motivate people to really always think about what they're doing through this lens. The second step is to actually build modular teams for maximum flexibility. You really want to optimize on agility by assembling interdisciplinary product teams. And so for Airbnb and many of the other companies I, I worked at, this really meant a product team that was encompassed with engineers, designers, data scientists as well, to be able to attack any problems or business uh, challenges head on. Uh, this modular team also allowed Airbnb to, ma uh, uh, to manage to keep the spirit of an early stage startup as it grew into uh, a larger tech company. Uh, for instance, uh, we would really gather roughly 20 of us together in, uh, in large meetings. But as the team grew to hundreds of people and even thousands of people, we really felt that these smaller groups were really effective in terms of being nimble and able to tackle problems. Uh, and so after, after teams get this large, you may want to think about breaking up teams into other modular teams as well. We always kept this as a core of how we operated at Airbnb and feel like it applies to many, many other types of startups and businesses. So here's really uh, a lot of the meat of Elastic product teams. Uh, and it's really key uh, who you bring onto that product team as product managers. When you're pushing towards product market fit, you're gonna need a variety of different types of product managers. They're gonna be for when you're building initial product, when you're scaling it, and then also when you need to achieve scale and build platforms. And the three different types of product managers here, uh, I call pioneers, settlers, and town planners. Now, this was a concept first developed by another individual uh, in the early 1990s uh, that really spoke to uh, engineers as well. But I try to apply those concepts to, concepts to uh, product management. So, so the first type of product manager is this pioneer. This pioneer uh, is a person who uh, is excited about the building prototypes. They're pumped about the riskiness of the endeavor. And uh, they're really excited to bring something brand new into the world. That's what gets them excited. Uh, this type of product manager energy is really needed as a company starts. Commonly, this person actually may be the founder or the CEO, and almost always is actually. So how to spot them? These people are risk takers, uh, they're frontliners, and they need uh, to be very, very scrappy to enable this to happen. Look for somebody who's got an, who has entrepreneurial experience already, it might be somebody who is the CEO in their own company or even a, a product manager who led an exploratory team for a larger company. This is kind of really, uh, really one of my key mantras here is uh, don't assume that any startup experience equals pioneering experience. There's a huge difference between somebody who has built something and somebody who has maintained something. I can't tell you how many times when I was hiring for the Airbnb product payment team, how many people told me that they built Google Wallet. I probably met 15 individuals who told me that they built Google Wallet from the ground up. And I'm pretty confident that they all, all didn't build Google Wallet from the ground up. Many of them came a little bit later on. But that person who really did bring that product to life from complete uh, inception all the way to an actual tangible product, that experience is really, really valuable. And that is a true pioneer. So you're probably wondering, what are some of the questions to ask somebody if you're trying to bring this individual onto your team? Well, these questions could be, what is your process for uncovering user needs? How do you know if you're achieving product market fit? 
tell me a time when you did something non-scalable to jumpstart a product, or I'm thinking about building X or Y. Uh, what do you do to get it built in 10 days? A pioneer is able to really answer these questions in a very articulate way. The next product manager would be a settler. This is once you've achieved product market fit, your focus needs to shift from starting a company to actually building one. Uh, these product managers are much more focused on impact. They're obsessed with growth and optimization. Silos can come from a variety of different backgrounds, but most often they are highly analytical and have an uncanny ability to work hand in hand with data scientists. Uh, large internet companies have many silos who are working on refining and optimizing the product experience. We at Airbnb brought a tremendous number of settlers into the organization as we were scaling. That was really, really crucial for us at that moment in time. I'm going to tell you a little bit of the downfalls of that later on. But how to spot these settlers. Uh, really look for somebody who's really excited about A-B testing, potentially even building an A-B uh, testing framework if you don't already have one, which is common. Uh, somebody who's really driven by, by metrics and can tell you exactly how they measure the impact of a new feature. So here's some key interview questions that may uh, distill what a settler, what, what a good settler um, may look like. How would you break down our conversion funnel? How would you set up an A-B test? We have uh, a feature X. What is the use case for that feature and how would you measure it? Tell me about a time you influenced user behavior through product. If you'll notice, these are different questions than pioneering questions and you're really looking for a different type of individual. The third product manager I'd like to articulate here is a town planner. These are your platform managers who take over when it's time to build the infrastructure and systems necessary to handle, the to handle your scale and to accommodate many products use cases, current and also very importantly, future. Good town planners are also entrepreneurs. Don't discount that. Many town planners have technical backgrounds, but it's not a hard requirement. They also work very well with technical visionaries. You can couple them with those individuals where the product manager, manager can steer the vision to realize it's practicality for the broader product team. How to spot them. They must be able to synthesize large amounts of disparate information to build technology that will service existing and unanticipated use cases. They also really importantly need to be able to articulate a vision for future product initiatives that, found, that the foundation can support. And so this isn't somebody who just looks across the landscape and figures everything that's currently going on and organizes it. They also need to be very prospectively looking out to figure out what to do in the future and how that foundation can, can help support the company in the future. At Airbnb, we were uh, a little hesitant to hire town planners when we were hyperscaling and we were really focused on settlers. And it was really important for us to bring these individuals in. And I wish we would have actually brought them in a little bit earlier on in the organization's life cycle. So here's some interview questions. What metric would you measure to determine su the success for a platform product? Tell me about a time when you built a system that supported a variety of use cases. How do you balance building towards known cases versus unknown future cases? And how would you know if the platform is too rigid or too flexible? This last question is perennially debated with town planners and there's never truly a right answer. So the real key hiring takeaway here is that the product team needs all three of these different PMs to be nimble and responsive. Otherwise the business won't endure in the long run. You need to recognize that town built, uh, building isn't the end of the road, it's just the groundwork for a new round of pioneering. And if done right, all of these product managers really work together. You lay uh, the initial product with the pioneers, if you're able to achieve scale, you bring on those settlers who can really excel 
and catapult that product forward. And then you bring in the town planners to really lay the foundation to stabilize everything, but also lay the groundwork for further, further ground for pioneers to rebuild upon. And it really becomes a cycle. And a healthy and elastic organization has all three different types of these product managers. Pioneers for new initiatives, sellers to scale those, and town planners to continually rebuild and re-platform uh, architecture uh, and existing capabilities such that it's a modular system, not only from a product standpoint, but also from a technical standpoint to be able to do, do more. So step four is to clearly de uh, define a process for resource allocation. Uh, and really resource allocation is such a huge part of product management and um, can be a little challenging, but uh, a product team needs to evolve with the product, uh, how people use the product and the environment around the business. And it needs to have a culture of constant change. Uh, and it's really important to instill that, that initial quote that I mentioned early on is that things are going to change all the time and therefore resources may have to shift all the time as, as well. As I'm sure you're aware, everybody always wants more resources. So it's up to the PM's role to decide which, uh, which bets to place every quarter. You need to constantly revisit and challenge your core fundamental assumptions to make sure that you're making the right decisions based on what you know is factual today. The first question is, did this product or project actually fit into the product vision? That goes all the way back to kind of step one. And usually it does, but other times you have to be uncomfortably honest and uh, really kill, uh, kill a team or kill a, kill a, a feature. So here's kind of that process framework, uh, again, kind of stemming back from uh, step one. Really it's the, that product vision, what do you want the world to look like in six months or five years or in the future? What are those outcomes that fall out of that? And this is really what do we want to achieve to help realize this product vision? And those outcomes are critical to organizing product teams. That's really how I think product teams should be organized based on outcomes. Once you have those outcomes set up, then you can articulate your goals and your metrics. Commonly, people may use an OKR type structure. Then the strategy is what are we going to do in sequence to actually go hit those goals? And then the resourcing is going to be what resources do we need to hit these metrics to achieve those goals? A great, great, uh, great resource allocation is always how many engineers to assign per task. Step five is really rallying the team quickly and scrapping them when uh, potentially necessary. So if you've got this culture of iteration around setting that, that vision, setting those outcomes, setting the goals, uh, hiring all these different types of product managers, building the culture of resilience within the, the organization, this realignment is expected every so often, and it's not that controversial. And the key thing to communicate to the team it's kind of, again, going back to the original quote, it's not that what we did in the past was wrong. It's just that things have evolved. And commonly, you needed to get to where you are today by doing the things that you did in the past. So whether you've identified a team that's understaffed or you surface a new problem that can't be addressed by existing team, or you even want to double down on a nascent opportunity, don't shy away from moving people where they're most valuable. Again, if you build this flexibility in, it's going to be okay. You may ask, okay, well, how often then should I be able to do this? Uh, my, my, my personal experience is reshifting somebody very rapidly week by week or month by month is probably not the best thing. Our process was commonly setting a product vision several years out, uh, setting uh, outcomes uh, roughly a year out, uh, and potentially breaking out the goals to be annual or quarterly goals. And so if you were to 
maybe blow up or scrap a team, uh, I think that would be very hard to do in shorter than maybe a half a year time frame. Uh, if you're a younger team, though, you may be able to do that every quarter. But as your teams grow and more things, uh, more things happen, the duration of the planning should extend and always be a little bit longer because you should be able to see a little bit more further beyond the horizon. So I'm telling you, feel free to scrap, scrap teams as long as you're able to communicate that, but just make sure that you don't do that uh, too often. So allocating resources, if done right from the get-go, if you articulate your vision, the outcomes and goals, it should be much easier. Uh, when you do have to decommission a team, it's often like we talked about the harder side of the equation. Take the team through the goal setting framework, identify where things went wrong. Normally when it's structured in numbers and uh, around a process, it's much easier to digest. Uh, you could talk about, was it a flaw in the product vision, which could be at the high level and that's okay. The product vision may have shifted. Strategy goals, metrics, resourcing, what is it? Commonly projects may actually fail because they got everything right except for maybe the resourcing. And that's actually one of the easiest things to fix if you agree on everything else beforehand. Again, more importantly, it's an iterative process uh, and an iterative culture and product management. Individuals have much less to fear as a result of that. So these are the kind of key pillars to managing this type of iterativeness at scale. So really have that process, have a clear framework for maybe company decisions, transparency is critical. Also the context, you need to make sure that everybody sees that vision too and be sure to repeat it yourself. That's also why we had posters to make sure that everybody always had that context in mind. When new people join, it's really important to tell them the history of how things evolved. In many organizations, you may see people revisit constantly things that have been done in the past. And giving them that historical context will help them understand that those ideas or thoughts have been thought of before. That doesn't mean they shouldn't be brought up again, but that people have been thoughtful about what else is going on and what else we could be doing. And really listening. As a team leader, you're not gonna be able to make the best decisions without actually talking to individual people and making sure that you're addressing their concerns. So the big team team, uh, team takeaway, uh, and really the, team, uh, the takeaway for uh, an elastic product team, in, the elastic product team in general is that much of the work that a product manager uh, is doing every day is to make sure that everybody understands the what and the why. And you really should leave it up to the teams to figure out the how to actually make, uh, make that happen. And that empowers them to do their best work and to find meaning in their work. I personally think that everybody wants to say in their daily lives, that's not just in tech land, but that's in life in general. And having these processes, building that resistance of an elastic product team, explaining the what and the why, letting teams figure out the how is really most critical. So that's really the elastic product team, the full process from step one to step five. Hope that you, you enjoyed it and I'm looking forward to engaging in the future. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the product podcast. If you liked this episode, don't forget to leave a review on iTunes. For more product insights, head over to productschool.com.